thewellnesscouch.com. Streaming wellness into your lives. Download the app today. This is Up for a Chat with your hosts, Cindy O'Meara and Kim Morrison. Here we are up for a chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Cindy O'Meara. And I'm Kim Morrison. And this week, oh my Lord, do we have a gorgeous great hunk of spunk on the show or what? The beautiful, amazing Jamie Milne. This incredibly inspiring soul is not only a phenomenal sports and fitness trainer, he's had gyms all over the Sunshine Coast, he's a proud Kiwi, he is also a world record holder, but this beautiful soul has so many qualifications all around the power of mindset, which we are going to get into today. We want to welcome you to Up For A Chat, gorgeous Jamie Milne. Oh, good morning, ladies. Feel very privileged, very honored to be here today, especially with you too. So looking forward to it. Well, we think you're pretty extraordinary. And the two of us are always in awe of all the things you're doing. Maybe we could set back a little bit about how you got into fitness, where I know you went off the rails for a little while. Maybe you could just give us a little bit of a story as to your background, but really how fitness, sport and mindset has created a life for you that has not only become your passion, it's your business. Well, great, great question. It, 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 I won't go too forensic. I don't, I'm not sure your, your listeners need too much detail, but like you said, I, I think like a lot of people, I, I went down the wrong pathway enthusiastically uh, when I was younger, um, had a sort of a propensity like, like many people to, to party, to, you know, drinking and, and, and that culture. I was, I was in the New Zealand military for, for quite some time and, and having that propensity to, to alcohol, I mean, the, the military was a, a, a very pernicious breeding ground um, for drinking and, and alcohol-related shenanigans. And so that, yeah, that really did um, set, a, set a fundamental um, pathway for me to follow. And, and there, there's a line of carnage and collateral damage <laughs> that I left behind uh, going, going through that, that journey and that process. And, and short of a very, very long story, I left the New Zealand military at about 75 kilos dripping wet. Um, I didn't, I, you know, I looked semi-decent in a dim light with a bit of Michael Bublé playing in the background and didn't mind my reflection too much. And anyway, so I left fit, slightly chiseled, semi-decent looking, and within nine months I blossomed out to about 116 kilos, which was, what's that, 116, not, what's that, 75, 116? That's a lot. <laughs> that is a lot, yeah. A lot. <laughs> so, and... I looked, and I'm not very tall either, so it wasn't very flattering. I, I looked like a brown beige bubble, like a like a perfect a perfect circle. So it wasn't very flattering. Um, and I did that in nine months, and that was that. You know, just thinking about that now, it's nine months is a is a a decent amount of time, but but it's also quite swift. So that can kind of give people an insight into some of the decisions and that I, I were making, um, I was making. So, yeah, and, and I had a real turning point in my life. Um, I mean, it was, it, whilst I had fun, it was also quite a, quite a painful experience. And I think with the luxury of hindsight now to be able to look back at this moment in my life, and as, as a lot of us do, as we look back to the challenges and adversity and, and and pain we go through whilst some would argue it was self-inflicted um it was the greatest turning point in my life and my grandfather who was a mentor to me and a, and a very uh and, a, and an enormous inspiration in my life um called me out on it in in front of a lot of family members at a gathering 
um, using such such terminology as you look disgusting and, you know, where's my grandson? I, I, who's this guy that's sitting in front of me? And he was he was genuinely pretty disappointed in how I treated my body and my mind like an amusement park. And, and the good thing about having people close to us, important people, um, mentors, family members, partners, you know, they, they often sit on this border of challenge and support. And he was one of these people. He was my biggest fan, but he'd also call me on my, my crap as well. And so this was one of those moments. And thankfully, he loved me enough to cook whilst he, he, could, have, he could have toned it down a little bit. Um, it was enough to be a catalyst and to spin my life in a very, very different direction. And so I'm, I'm forever grateful for that one painful moment. So since then, um, it, it has led me down this pathway of, of service to, to help others and to guide others um, with health of our body and our mind. Um, and thankfully, with, with something I'm very passionate about, I also get remunerated for. So it's, it's, a, it's a pretty good life. Mm, sounds wonderful, um, although painful. I, I have, I, I have a, a, a question, I guess, or a, a thought about the alcohol. I, I yeah. just, I've just been listening to a two-and-a-half-hour podcast and it was um, by an Australian of the Year, a country girl that um, runs Sober in the Country, and mm. And she taught, she said the same thing as you, you know, being a country girl, alcohols, fuels it, blah, blah, blah. And then you just said, mm. you know, in the military, it's, you know, it's not a good place for alcohol, blah, blah, blah. You know, in the corporate scene, it's not a good. What is this that everybody says it feels like that institutions, whether it's a country institution, a corporation, a military, a youth institution, whatever it might be, always seems to um, have alcohol as a, like, seems to be the main thing that they're doing. Do you, do you in your in your doing, and especially your mind, Jim, are you coming across a lot of people that uh, have been brought up in an um, institution, and it doesn't matter what that institution is, whether it's a real one or a country one or whatever, that seem to have this problem too and is wrecking lives and um, causing infertility and causing violence and all sorts of things. I just don't, I can't comprehend this because I don't drink, like I like a whiskey, one whiskey and I'm done. Yeah. But I don't understand this fueling of where you've got to drink and drink and drink and drink and drink. Do you want to address that? Oh, I, I just sat here, Cindy, and I must admit my heart swelled with joy at, at the at the level of your question. I love the little saying, and oh, God, I just love these bloody sayings, <laughs> but anyway, like everybody else, the quality of our lives is determined by the quality of the questions that we ask. Mm. And that your question just then, I'm like, what a great question. And I'm sure we, we could talk for hours and hours and hours on the topic because it's a very good topic. I think to to simply answer your question, in uh, it, it's 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 a big area of discussion and a great discussion point. I think what I've come to learn in my experience, and and look, I, I'll I'll be completely honest with you, I've been in and out of um, recovery um, organisations such as Alcoholics Anonymous. Since I was 18, so I did done, done four tours of duty in, in AA in my lifetime, and the military pushed me in there when I was 18. I had the choice. They identified that I was a bit problematic and I'm showing signs, so they said AA or a military-based rehab, and I thought I'll go with AA because then no one will know that I'm a you know potential alcoholic or something like that. And then fast forward you know, a few other times in there uh, over the course of my life. And they have, you know, strong views and very strong theories and opinions on what's an alcoholic and what is alcoholism and who is susceptible and who is not and, and alcohol doesn't discriminate. You know, you could be a, a, a judge in the high court. You can be, you know, a, a mindset coach. You could be a nutritionist, a doctor, a homeless person. Like if you have this predisposition to be affected by alcohol, then, you know, 
you you can you will succumb to this this um, this vice. And then, but in my journey through life, I've, I've just you know I've, I've taken on board these strong theories and opinions, and then I've looked at others and what other what other people say, and and um, whether it's you know we you people were. Um, subjected to to alcohol at a young age, and therefore that perpetuates out into adulthood. But if I was to give my little hypothesis on what I see, I think it's I, I don't think it's a simple answer. But I think there is when people. I mean, Kim, you or Cindy, you guys may or may not agree. I think self awareness and self knowledge is so powerful. Like to truly know thyself. Um, uh, well, I think, geez, don't quote me on this, ladies, but I think old mate Shakespeare, um, another Kiwi fella, I think he was a Maori guy from the North Island, Shakespeare, he had the famous saying, to thine own self be true. And I think to truly know why, why do we, why do we, why do some of us depend on alcohol or why is it such a big influence in these organisations or, or, or for the individual and I've come to think a lot of the time the advantages of drinking outweigh the disadvantages. And this is for people that that fancy a drink. Now, if I say that to somebody, which I have done many times, they would come to me and they say, I've got a drinking problem, can you help me? And the first thing I'll say is you, you, you love it. You know, there's, you've got too many benefits. You're getting too many benefits from drinking and that's why you continue to do it. And 100% of the people will turn around and say, no, I haven't. And they'll say something like, you, you don't understand my life. You know, it's, it's ruined my life. I don't see my kids. I lost my house. Uh, I got fired. And the simple fact is if you, it, it, you have way too many advantages and if we didn't have that many advantages, you'd stop doing it. But a lot of the time I find individuals are very unconscious or unaware of all the advantages of the drinking. They see the disadvantages, i.e. I've lost my children, I lost my house, I got fired. They'll tell you the disadvantages all day long. But then they still find themselves drinking 752 schooners a week and continuing the behaviour. So that, I mean, it's, it's a, a strong opinion, but I certainly feel a lot of the time when people can balance up their perceptions around alcohol and and what are all the benefits for the individual, which will obviously be unique to the individual, then one can start to look at alternatives that will give the same benefit that is not alcohol. I hope that makes sense. I went off on a tangent. Oh no, it it, it does. It's just it was just so interesting where you know she said about the country and then you said about the military. Mm. And, you know, I have a friend whose daughter died in her early 30s as a result of being an alcoholic. You know, people kill themselves yeah. with this and at a very young age. It's not an old person's um, demise. It it can be a young person's demise as well. And, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it, and, you know, some people, they take themselves to the brink where they do kill themselves with it, whereas mm. you and this beautiful girl, Shanna Wan, you know, you both saw I need to do something. And um, I'm I'm hoping that if anybody is listening that may have an, an issue with alcohol, that they do realise it because I think Shanna didn't realise she had a problem and you probably didn't realise it either until your grandfather, it sounds like, was the, was the really big instigator in it. Um, mm. And hers was uh, her husband. Her husband actually said, you really can't control this, can you? You know, it was just a simple question wow. like that. And she thought, I have to seek help. Mm. And and I just look at what's happened to her life because of it. And I don't, I, maybe we need to be taught in, in school about this. Like I, I feel like our school system and our education system, and I think that's pe- why people like you are around, is that our school system has is failing dismally with teaching life skills and i understand parents are to teach life skills too 
but I also think it needs to be reinforced in the in education, these life skills. And they're not just about alcohol or, as you were talking about, self-awareness and self-knowledge. And there's a little bit of math in there and some English in there because that's all we need in the end because we just need mm. to know how to do accounting in our maths and understand, you know, a ledger or something. And all we have to do is know how to read because from there we can do many, many things. So I'm, I guess what I'm saying here is thank goodness for people like you because you're obviously people are asking you that question and you're helping them through them because you've been through that yourself. So going, I know this is only one side of what you do, but can you explain to me, Mind Jim, because I'm sure that has a lot to do with what we've just been speaking about. Yeah, yeah. So the... The, the the mind in my services within within this part of our company look it, it really is based off the the fundamental understanding that we can have all of the tools in the world all of the resources in the world because i i got to a point of, upon leaving the fitness industry um because i was in the in the fitness industry for 20 years and I sort of looked and I remember one day just like I always had that inkling and that, you know, when you sort of got that, we, we get these little niggles, this little squeaky wheel that wants to greet. I, I always in the back of my mind through my experience in the military and the fitness industry, I, I, I always knew my mind was a superpower. Like I found myself in some very character building situations where it was it really was my mind that got me through it and I, and I obviously had heard other people refer to the power of the mind so it was always ticking away in the background and then one I don't know if it was one day but certainly it really bubbled up in my awareness I was thinking we've got amazing and I mean like you guys like I look at Kim I look at you Cindy and what what you guys contribute and your network, what your network contributes to society, the service to society. I'm like, we are surrounded by people with such wonderful intentions and, and formal education and wisdom and, and we've got an abundance of resources and tools. And if if you've got half a brain, you can jump on Google and scratch around and find incredible uh, uh, amounts a reservoir of information and we've got all these facilities and establishments that are focused on health and it's such this massive paradigm shift compared to say 20 years ago and yet here we are fatter miserable people you know every second person is having a struggle with their mental stability people and i i i would i would sure we would be startled if we got an insight to the statistics around how many people were taking time off work for you know mental health or, or health-based issues so with all this information and all these amazing professionals and all this incredible stuff at our fingertips why are we why are we generally worse off and then i thought with very basic psychology 101 one of the most powerful things in my understanding that we can do as humans is is we get to decide what we make things mean like we our, our perception is so powerful we can live in a heaven or we can live in a hell it's like whatever you want to decide this can be all shits and giggles or this can be the worst experience of my life I could be a victim and my grandfather called me out in front of all of my family or I could turn around and go you know what he is dead right. I need to get myself together. You know, I, I get to I get to decide what I make that mean. And so I think with that, that and a few other things obviously sort of influence this. That really set me on a different trajectory. And I and I kind of feel like I have a good. Uh, what what do they call it? The curse of the intermediate. It's like I have the general understanding of a lot of things, nutrition, fitness, you know, et cetera. Um, but, I, but I really wanted to understand how the mind works thoroughly because I, I, I truly believe that that was the key to living a fulfilled life and, and, and having a, a really decent crack at this thing we call life. And so <laughs> that, that, sorry to answer your question, that's, 
that's where the mind gym was was sort of um, bred from. So if I was to come in, let's just say to you, mm-hmm. and I'm physically and mentally uh, not doing well, mm-hmm. but I'm willing to change, and I need um, help, a mentor. Yeah. Where would you start? Would you start with my physical or would you start with my mental or would you be going all guns blazing? Another great question. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I love when I like talk, I felt like I talked for like 40 minutes on one answer and there's like a dead silence from you two. I'm like, oh, uh, yeah. Okay. All right. So the, I, I heard the word desire in there, which um, I mm. loved. Mm. And and I truly believe without throwing out a cliche little phenomenon, but I, I believe when the desire to change is greater than the desire to remain the same, an individual will look for something. And so by the time somebody say, you know, for, for the purposes of the question, by the time you you were in here, Cindy, like that gives me enormous confidence. Mm. And to be honest, walking in our facility is not easy. And, and that's something I, I am aware of. You know, we've got stuff all over the walls acknowledging people's phenomenal. It's like a like I've had media people in here and they're like, oh, my God, this is like a museum. Um, well, I think that's a compliment, but anyway, there's stuff on the walls of people's remarkable achievements and um, there's world record banners everywhere. And a lot of the time, like my son and his mates, they're running around like lunatics with no shirts on and they've got muscles from knees to nipples. And I think it's not easy. So by the time someone's come in, they've got through all that, and they're, and they're upstairs with me, I'm like, man, you you are ready to change. You're ready to, to, to leap off the cliff and embark on this process. So that's a big one. That gives me confidence, which means we can start to take the first steps. And I, generally speaking, dependent on what the individual wants, because at the end of the day, the individual's in charge. I would, if it's, if we're heading down uh, the path of one's mental performance, then I will start with self-awareness and self-knowledge through a series of thought-provoking questions. So both yourself and myself, Cindy, can can understand why we do what we do, where is it coming from, what do we make it mean, um, and then we can move on to, I suppose, what I would call self-management. So if we know what what said perceived problems are, we can start addressing and, and doing the work there. Um, but, yeah, it, it really is dictated by the, by the individual. And after that self-awareness sort of consultation and chat, I would, I would certainly make an honest suggestion from there which, which pathway to take. Hmm. Amy, I'm curious to know, with all of the clients and the people that you see, either from a physical perspective in the gym or mm. that come to you through the mindset stuff, yeah. is it a generalized thought or feeling that people come thinking that you are going to fix them? You're going to, they're going to pay you money and they're going to all of a sudden walk out with biceps and glutes, or they're going to pay you and their mind is going to be amazing. Like, how much do people realize the self responsibility? along with self-awareness and the self-discipline to do this work, you know, do you find that most people that they get to the point that come to you are willing to understand that? Or is that even another level that you have to add? Yeah, I, th- I, I think generally speaking, most it's, you know, again, it's, it's, it's some of the, the fundamental structures of psychology of cause and effect. Some people will come in at cause. And I, and I actually think, majority of people come in at, at cause because again they're taking that initiative i don't think i've oh actually yeah no I've, so i've had one customer over the last few years that was pushed in here by his wife um which you know is, is a red flag immediately but but generally speaking everybody else is taking that that ownership and responsibility and and coming in so they 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 in my opinion they're they're initially at cause they're not sort of 
being pushed around or being told that they've got to go and do something for themselves. So I think that's a really good starting point. And I'll often say to people, you know, it's really, really neat how you're taking responsibility for what you um, feel and consider as something that needs to be addressed. And I, I like to think of it in my mind when people embark on this this work of evolving and changing and you know doing their best to live a happier, healthier, more fulfilled life, they actually start going out there and start causing an effect instead of being at effect. Mm. So yeah, mm, I like the way you say that, and and that's the thing is that I, I look at people like, you know, being a nutritionist, I look at people who come to me who want to change. Let me let me give you, before I say that, let me give you an example of when I was a young 23, 24-year-old, people would come to see me. I'd say exactly the same thing to the same, to every person. I'd say, right, we need to get you off the sad diet. We need to put you on a, a diet of real foods. That was it. This was back in the 80s. Mm. And then you'd have the people that would jump on board and do it and change their life and and, and be incredible. And then you'd have the people that had come back the next week and I go, how'd you go? What changes did you make? Oh, it's too hard. I, I, no, I can't do it. And, you, mm. and I got to the point where I thought, I'm saying the same thing to everybody. Why don't I just say it to 30 people at a time instead of one person at a time? And then it was like, well, why don't I say it to thousands at a time instead of 30 <laughs> people at a time? And I found People get the same information. As you were saying, you know, we've got all the tools, all the resources, all the intention, all the wisdom facilities, and yet we're fatter and unhealthier and mentally more having mental health issues than we've ever had before. I want to ask you, what's the difference that makes the difference? Why does one person change and the other one doesn't? Is it the why? Is it the moving to, from, or from? I'm sure it's, I don't, like, to me, I ask this question over and over and over again in my own head. And I'm not sure I've got a really direct answer. So I'm giving this one to you. After all, you're a master hypnotherapist, you're an NLPA, you've done timeline therapy, you've done cognitive behavior therapy. I figure if anybody knows, you should know. <laughs> <laughs> Give it to yeah, us. Give me just. Just seeing as you're one of my guardian angels, Kimmy, if you feel like just flapping those wings and coming in and, ba- and bailing a brother out, just just feel free to jump jump in on here. This is your cue, Kimmy. This is your cue. Look, I, I got you. I got you. Answer it. Both of you answer it because yeah. I'm the nutritionist, but you guys are that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all the cloud, cloud-based stuff. You guys do the cloud stuff. Yeah, yeah you just go up there and tell me all about it. All yeah. right. Tell me. Uh, Kimmy, what's your thoughts? What's your thoughts? I'm curious, Kimmy, what's your thoughts? I think the difference that makes the difference really comes back to someone who's willing to really take a deep dive into themselves and why they've sabotaged themselves to get there in the first place. So that awareness of where and why they've done what they've done to get to where they get to, that is the first step. But then we've got to look at what their motivation is or what their desire is. And for many people, they have a more away from motivation. So I don't want to be fat. I don't want to be a useless husband. I don't want to be a terrible wife. I don't want to be dumb. So the motivation then becomes what we call an away from motivation, which then once we reach a certain point, what's our go-to? And if our motivation has always been away from, then guess what happens? Even once we hit a certain point, we then sabotage ourselves because we haven't realized or haven't created a new towards from. So what do I want more of in my life? How can I be a better person? Now, the only way I see that happening is when people understand their values, maybe where their beliefs have come from, maybe their conditioning, because ultimately at the end of the day, our job as therapists is to unhypnotize and not be hypnotized by our clients and their stories. So how do we make people aware of their story or their limiting beliefs or their emotions that don't serve them? That is those really potent questions Jamie was talking about that we're trained to ask that they don't even realize is us really diving into their unconscious mind. Because what we're looking for is how they respond, whether their heart rate goes up, whether their eyes flutter, whether they do these small little bodily sign languages that gives us cues and 
nuances to understand their thinking. I mean, I don't know about you, Jamie. I think our highlight is to help them see how they do them. And then if that needs undoing and rewiring, that's when we do the integration work. I don't know. Does that answer it from your <laughs> Does that yeah, help? Yeah, yeah. And everything that Kimmy said is is perfect. <laughs> See, look, I, I so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback on 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 Kimmy and and I really do agree with a lot of what Kimmy was saying. And I and I think one of the one of one of my greatest findings, and I'm and I'm almost oh, I'm almost certain. I mean, yeah. We like to, as we all know, human beings are not black and white. We are all grey. We are all abstract. We're like all the colours. And and I, I definitely, I don't think there's a cookie, cookie cutter approach to everything. But I, But if I could just land the helicopter on a destination, I would, I would say it all starts with thinking. Like, like the, the way we think fundamentally affects the way we feel or our or our emotions and our emotions or our feelings then therefore directly influence how we act and acting being how we what we say what we actually do physically um but if we come back to the thinking if a person's thinking is distorted i mean at the end of the day this is how a lot of mental disorders start they start with distorted or illogical or abnormal thinking so if the thinking's not right it's going to ripple out just like a pebble in a pond Mm. is going to ripple out and affect feelings and emotions because things are distorted and as kimmy was saying each individual they've got their own realities there there's everything they've experienced through their lives from the day they've come skidding out into the hospital and open their eyes for the very first time. I don't know if babies come skidding out these days, but anyway, the, from there all the way to, the, to today when we're here and now, and then we've got things that influence the way we think, which is our values, our other filters such as perception. But I, I just I can't help but think, no pun intended, that it really, really does begin with thinking. And even, even you know, ancient Greek philosophers, um, some of the leading psychologists and psychoanalysts of our time, they're all singing from the same song sheet. It's, 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 it all starts with our thinking. Change the thinking, you change a person's world. As a man thinketh, you know, remember that? Oh, yeah. yes. As a man thinketh, yeah. My dad used to play that back in the 60s and 70s oh, on the yes. cassette. <laughs> Or the record, maybe even. I always, you know, I always think life's like life's not meant to be this complicated, and it's not to, meant to be this hard. And yet, I feel like I feel like we we're maybe it is just about your thinking, and we need to change our thinking. It just feels so complicated. I, w- mm. I wish there was a I wish there was a way that we could start to change the way people think. But if you're in the habit of thinking the glass is half empty as opposed to half full, how do you, you know, then change that way of thinking? Like I think it's easier to change your physical body than it is to change your ment- your mind. That's that's I, what I, I think. Agree. <laughs> I, agree. I agree. I'd much rather eat well, go to, you know, do my swimming every morning, go do my hiking, do all of that stuff. That's easy. Mm. But to change that mind that you've got, I just, yeah, I just don't know um, why that becomes so complicated. I just, I just can't figure that one out. Well, Anyone want to put on that one? Yeah, well, people, I mean, we are, we are designed to, like even at a, at a very primal level, we we have what is called a negativity bias or confirmation bias. We we're wired for negativity. That's what's kept us alive. And then you you know we've all got the friend that is incurably pessimistic. It's like it could be the most beautiful, gorgeous, delicious sunshine coast, sunny Sunday, mm-hmm. and Debbie Down is still miserable as shit. And you're like, wow, open, <laughs> open your eyes, girl. You got 
you got this handsome husband, kids are healthy, beautiful home down by the beach, sun's out, it's 25 degrees in the middle of winter, you can have a little sneaky gin and tonic in the afternoon, everything is golden. And yet she's still miserable because I, I think I think it's about 95 to 90%, 95 to 97% of what we think every day uh, is the same thoughts that we thought the day before. So we run on unconscious programming and, and unconscious patterns, and that, that applies to our thinking. So to change and to reintegrate or re-engineer, reframe our thinking is a challenge. We are fighting against, you know, I don't know if it's genetic predisposition, but it's 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 a bit of work, but it can be done. But you think, like, Cindy, like you said, you go for a swim, you go, you, you're hiking, you know, health is a very high priority for you, and it's it's part of your life. You don't think about it. I'd, I'd imagine it would be like brushing your teeth, tying the shoelaces. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it is just, Cindy, that's that that's just what you do. And so to to get to that level or to to have that level of programming, where you if you want to call it habit, if you want to call it behaviors, that sometimes having the what what's the word, having the influence of someone like Kimmy or you know, other people that understand how to reframe and change thinking, that's that's where the these individuals become like yeah really helpful and and can really influence our lives and change our thinking so yeah I think I think too uh, perhaps another way of looking at it I was just fascinated that you both said yeah it's easier to change our body than our mind when you think about the body and we train it we work it out we go for a walk we go to the gym whatever it is a yoga class then the body biochemically, physiologically reacts. We get a rush of dopamine, maybe serotonin. We have this beautiful feel-good feelings, maybe even oxytocin is in there. So a feeling to me is a more conscious and a more real um, thing to the individual. But then our emotions are usually unconscious. I mean, for some of us, we could hear a song on a radio and one of us has moved to tears because it reminds us of our grandmother who was just incredible. And the other one's like, I hate the song. So emotions are unconscious and really the feelings can drive those emotions. And so I'm so with Jamie on the, if you really want to change your life, yes, changing your body is a great point because the body is a physical realm that we can work with every day. That's almost like your tool, the vehicle. But to really change your thinking, particularly if you want a new life or an up-leveling of life, you have to look at the unconscious programming. And the only way we do that is to learn how you do it in the first place because you don't know what you unconsciously don't know. You just think that's real. But there could be another 180, 200, 500 viewpoints on what you think is real. And I think the only way I can describe that is that if you've got siblings and you all grew up in the same house, one of the children could say their life sucked. Another one could say they had the best upbringing in the world. Another one could say, I just loved it. And yet the rules were the same, perhaps the house was the same, the environment was the same. So therefore, there must be a little bit, and Jamie, I'm calling on you here, there is a little bit of spiritual stuff too. The essence of who we are when we come into this world also adds to the experiences, the upbringing, the circumstances. And if that's the case, if some of it's spiritual and our thinking, how on earth or what do you think, Jamie, is the best way that someone listening to this could go, actually, I really do need to change. I've hit rock bottom or I don't want this anymore. I go to the gym. I work out. There's a lot of miserable assholes out there too. There's a lot of miserable fit looking people too. So it's not just the physical, like you say. How do we tap into the essence, the spirit of the person to help them rewire what they've been doing? This is the best Thursday of my life. <laughs> these questions. Oh, my God. I used to drink to get these feelings, ladies, and I tell you what, I'm getting twitches in places I shouldn't be getting twitches. This is this is the very best. Mm-hmm. Um, in answer to your question, 
Oh, I think um, oh, I had uh, when you were asking the question, I had it all in the front of my head. I was like, "This is this is the best." But now I'm gonna go and search for it again. Here we go. Here we go. So I think you talked about uh, values, Kimmy, a, a little bit earlier on, and and as we know with the work that we do, we have these unconscious drivers, these intrinsic drivers, which intrinsic for those that are unsure means from within so i'm being driven from within i mean this stuff is a fountain of use like we know what people take collagen for this stuff but i tell you what this is the real fountain of youth because this gives us the insight into our purpose in when people you know simon Sinek wrote the book start with why people you know every second person's talking about you know you got to know your why you got to know your why and it's like that sounds really cool but how does one find one's why how does one find one's purpose and the 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 blueprint the the individual north star the essence the 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 Kool-Aid the secret source of humanity of each human being is within these core values and in there is where we where we're focused this is where we get energized this is where we put our attention our retention our intention this is the stuff that drives all of us and and each individual human being like if you're a human being you you have a unique core set of values and i think when people care enough or understand the importance of knowing one's values, people get a real peek behind the curtain of the blueprint of the essence of, of themselves and, and yeah, and how they're driven and, and what that North Star is. And, God, I, I yeah, I, I wish when you talk about, what's at a school-based level and education and curriculum like i would love this type of stuff to be available for for kids so they understand that you know we're all so unique and we all have these real authentic genuine things that drive us and it's okay to be a little bit different um god i hope that answers your question kimmy i was all excited no, I thought it was a, a brilliant answer. And then it's it, it has actually brought me to this point. So we've been talking about the mind and the physical, but you two crazies somehow seem to be able to push your physical um, and take your mind get your mind to take you to places that I don't even want to go. So I know that Kimmy's the 24-hour runner, the the world record holder, and I just call her crazy, and she just keeps doing it. She like, I like to sleep. Like I go hiking, but I hike all day, and then I sleep all night. It's easy. Whereas you, Jamie, you do the same thing. You push your body to the limit, and there is no way a physical body can do. I don't think. Well, I don't, well, I know it does it, but I don't think it can do it without a mind that is working right. Uh, so, question. Which comes first, <laughs> the chicken or the egg, the physical <laughs> or the mind, the mind or the physical? When you are doing what you do, and I want you to tell everybody what you crazily do, um, set records with your physical body, are you, is, your, is it your physical body that you've trained or do you leave your physical body somewhere else and leave you, and get your mind to do what it needs your physical body to do? do you, does that make sense? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it makes total sense. It makes total sense. And my opinion of this has changed over the years, but I'll give you I'll give you my opinion from today. I think it is definitely a synthesis. There's this beautiful dance that happens, this this synergistic salsa that that you do, that we do, um, between the body and the mind. You know, some people refer to it as the psychosomatic relationship, the mind-body connection. And I, I, I really firmly believe for a majority of the time, it is both. They work together. What I've found, the longer it goes, and I'm, and I'm meaning or between 24 and 48 hours so and plus, 
So once it starts to, you know, you've gone through the night, you're starting to creep into day two, I really do believe it leans a bit more subjectively to the mind. And I, but, I, but I also believe that that's a gift and a curse. And what I've found in my experience with some of the recent things that I've done and to, to give an example of one, um, I did a, a 100K ultramarathon to, to set a Guinness World Record and I did it with 20 kilos in a backpack. Um, I wouldn't recommend it, by the way. And every time I say backpack, I think of Dora. It's like Dora the Explorer. I'm like her little mate. I think it was Diego. So anyway, so going off with this backpack and I, and I do this thing, my body was like obviously physiologically breaking down. It was breaking down around me. And my mind, it almost felt like my mind hadn't even fucking warmed up. It's like, cool story, bro. Like, keep going. You're all good. And yet I'm looking at myself, and like a lot of people, you know, we've got the whole, I'm, and I'm no different. It's like I'm urinating. I can see visible blood in my urine. I'm, I'm cramping in places that I didn't even know existed on this little brown body of mine. And I'm like, what is that? And then I'm, But my mind was like, we're good. You know, just just chuck a seatbelt on, buddy. We're going to keep going. And so I've got to this point in my life where my mind is very steadfast, and it and it really does hold fast. It's it's I haven't got to the point, and I'm not sure. I don't know if you have, Kimmy, where where my mind's throwing in the towel and it's had enough. Like it 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 has got to the point, and I, I really hope this doesn't sound like arrogance or naivety or even stupidity because just for the listeners frame of reference i've i've been in the military for quite some time i've done courses with the the special forces or special operations parts of the military and i've had a lifetime dedicated to the endurance sports so i didn't wake up like this i'm 44 years of age and did my first 10k at at eight years of age 10 10 kilometer fun run at eight years of age so I've kind of forged my mind over three decades to this point, but now I'm at a point that my body is is breaking down before my mind. Mm. You mean you mean you're aging? Sorry, <laughs> I'm on you the collagen. You're... I'm on the collagen. <laughs> Everyone's on the collagen. Cindy, what do you, what do we think about collagen? Lost oh, job. I, I want to add to something here. Like uh, there's also like we're talking a lot about the mind and we're talking a lot about how important the mind is. Sometimes I think it's really awesome to be um, empty or to to not think too much. And sometimes we put so much effort into healing or doing a world record or trying to run 10Ks or trying to, and we think about it. And then all of a sudden it's almost like we get paralysis by analysis because we're overthinking it. And I know for me to set that world record, first of all, I was young, so I'd never run beyond 10Ks in my life. Secondly, the innocence of just thinking, yeah, I can run for 24 hours around a track. Like, why wouldn't I? And I got that from Cliff Young when we I saw him interviewed at the end of the first 1,015-kilometre um, race that he did, Sydney to Melbourne. And I'll never forget it. The 65, 68-year-old potato farmer beat all these elite athletes. And the biggest aha I got was when they said to him, Cliffy, we're blown away that you've beaten the rest of the field. How did you do it? How come you didn't stop at hotels and sleep and rest like everyone else? His answer was, in a very dazed, glazed, unbelievable look, I didn't realise I could. Now, imagine if we just woke up every day not imagining uh, what we could or couldn't do. Imagine if it was just a magical plethora of possibility. Imagine if every day was an opportunity to reprogram, rewire. Our good friend Karen Smith has always said, 
you don't have depression, and these are her words, you know, you can control this because when you go to sleep and fall into the, the realm of sleep, you're not a depressed person. You're not even a depressed person when you first wake. It's only when the thinking kicks in that you regurgitate, as Jamie said, all those thoughts from yesterday that we now believe we are that person today. And so my invitation or my question to you, Jamie, how do we not think then? How? What have you done to sometimes, or, or do you think that that's an important part? It might not be. How do you not think? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're right. And I think this whole, you know, the conversation around the mind, it's it's a double, it's it's two different sides of the same coin. It's it's like you're saying, it's we can overanalyze thoughts, we can write down and thinking journals, we can take notes in our phone. And and just to give the listeners context, I mean, we have sixty-two to to sixty-two to eighty-five thousand thoughts a day, of which there is a thought every three seconds, whether we like it or not. That's a thought every three seconds. And so it's a, it's a busy little echo chamber in there. And if we know that a lot of our thinking is biased towards negativity, towards setbacks, drawbacks, um, you know, and then we, that's not even the conversation of rumination, then to not think about your thoughts, there are little tools and little tech. I actually came up with an acronym the other day. I was quite excited about this. And the acronym is WIN like to win a gold medal, to win anything, W-I-N. And I will often ask myself, because my mind takes off. This is the problem with, you know, busy mind analysing thoughts. It takes off. So if I want to just be right here right now and not in the past ruminating about things or being affected by that and not getting anxious or fearful about things in the future and to bring myself right here right now, I, I will think, win. So what's important now? What's important now? And so I think my feet beneath my shoulders. Then I'll scrunch up my little sausage toes and feel what that's like, my feet underneath my shoulders. What's important now? I think about my heartbeat. Can I hear it for a second? Can I feel it? And all these types of sensory activities that will bring me right here, right now. And I often find, even if I'm lying in bed, so in those early hours of the morning when I wake up and then, you know, it's like a, a slow start and then it's from zero to 100 miles an hour with my thinking, sometimes I'll sit down and think, what's important now? Well, the doona on my body is really nice. These lovely Egyptian cotton sheets are really nice. <laughs> Bamboo sheets, they're really nice. Or, and so that's, that's what I'll do. And you've got no choice. If, the, if you give the mind some clear direction, the mind loves a bit of clarity. I give it clear direction. What's important now? I love that. I've written it down. I've highlighted it in pink. <laughs> oh, it made the pink highlighter. Yeah, it made, and not many things make the pink highlighter. I can tell you that. What's Oh, my God. And in order to win, you have to know what's important now as well. If, without the acronym, you've got to know what's important because if you're faffing around or procrastinating um, or, you know, when, like you said, what's important now when you're um, out on the road and doing the crazy things that you two do, I'm, I'm sure you're not thinking about your future or your past or your in-between. Oh. You are thinking, okay, one foot in front of the other, you know, like your heart rate and the blood in your urine. That really got me. Sorry, that really got me. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'd be getting, okay, I'm a bit concerned about myself. This probably isn't good for me. I might just step out of the race. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, I did like your 100 kilometres in 20, kilo, 20 kilos on. But that would take me, I could do that in four days <laughs> with a sleep in between, take my food with me. <laughs> oh, it was god awful, Cindy. It was god awful. I, actually, just for the listeners, I so I did that the win thing. I so I would do it at least, mm -hmm. at least once every couple of days. So I get uh, a bit like you know, career professional, business owner. I'm always thinking about what's coming up on the horizon. Makes me quite anxious. So yesterday I was with my daughter, and I just love my time with this little storm in a teacup. And I just sat there for a second and I do my best, you know, I'm human, I, but I do my best to not be on my phone when I'm with one of my kids. And 
I was watching her and then I started thinking about um, the seminar I got coming up and I wanted to grab my phone and I got all the like the heart rate sped up. I'm like, oh, I can get my phone, write this down in my notes. Like, and then I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. And I thought, what, what's important right now? Like, what's important now? And I looked at her and just thought, this, this is what's important. Like, we're having the best conversations. We're having the best little afternoon together. That's what's important now. And I immediately, I immediately felt calm. I was happy. And to be honest, I can't even remember what it was that I had to put in my phone for the seminar, mm. but it, it wasn't important now. It wasn't important right then. So I don't know if that helps any listeners, but it, it certainly helps me. Well, I want to add to that too, because sometimes to get to the win, what's in it now, like like what's important now, there's another acronym I use, which is just up until now. So if I've had a negative thought, like, oh, I don't think I'm good enough, or I can't do that. I instantly now say up until now, because that also brings me into the moment and gives me possibility for the next moment, which is then what's important now. And I think for anyone that's struggling to get to that win moment, you can also catch yourself saying something negative or detrimental and quickly diffuse that with those words of up until now. So I don't know, I'm a fat fart up until now. What's important (laughs) now is what I eat next or what I do next. Um, I'm no good at doing tax returns up until now. What's important now, I've got to get my bookwork together for the accountants. So sometimes there might be for some of us a little intermediary step, especially if we're doing comparisonitis or we're watching social media and we get deflated or we don't feel good enough. Also remember every moment, as Jamie just alluded to, is the important moment here and now. The past is the past. The future hasn't even got to us. So if you do have a negative wiring, you could try and add in that up until now to diffuse that uh, because it negates those thinking and then bring in up until now and now I want to win what's important now. I just wanted to say to you, I think that's a brilliant, amazing uh, acronym for us all. So, look, you are a winner in our eyes, and you are someone who has won a lot of things. Could you just give us a brief account of your world records and what's coming up, and then maybe how we can all support you before we come to the close? Uh, thank you so much for this opportunity, ladies. That's really nice of you. The, the Where is it? November the 4th, I am attempting the eight-hour official Guinness World Record for the mo- for the most amount of chest to the ground burpees uh, here at our JMT facility in Warana, and that is most importantly for a, a fundraiser and awareness campaign for the the incredible group uh, Inclusive Kids here in Maroochydore. They provide um, food, shelter resources for children and and families that um, are going through uh, rough patches or homelessness or domestic violence and things like that and it was it really saddened me to 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 become aware of the fact that we actually have homeless children on the sunshine coast of all places and this level of poverty which was which was re- I actually found that really sad um, so I've, I've jumped on board to to, to do that. And yeah, over the years, I've attempted ten um, Guinness World Records, of which I have succeeded with three of those, and then uh, learnt some magnificent life lessons with the other seven. So yeah, there is nothing like pushing your body to the extreme to find. Do you know what beautiful Cliff Young said to me at my first ultra? He's still to this day one of my greatest mentors. He looked at me in the eye and he said, enjoy today and you're about to meet the real Kimmy. And I just thought, yeah, 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 I was 21. Yeah, yeah, I got this 68-year-old. Yeah, yeah, I'm all over it. Oh, boy, did I meet her. I met her shadow, her dark, her fear, her <laughs> worries, her concerns, her pain, her pressure points. I met her in the graveyard shift of that 24-hour race at Ooh, something yeah. like 2 a.m. in the morning. And then I really also got to see her opposing force the minute, and this is how words and thinking is so powerful. I had my 
you know, everyone was feeling sorry for me as much as I was feeling sorry for me. I'd hypnotized them all into believing that I just couldn't go another step. And then my coach comes in and goes, I just want to ask, do you want DNF next to your name? Did not finish. (laughs) And that question, I freaking hated him in that moment. But that question got me up off my whinging pity party table. And all he said was, the, it's a Sri Chinmoy quote, the race is not always to the swift, but to those that keep on running. And I just, those words, phrases, quotes, they're mm. just the most powerful way to reframe or reset or recalibrate where you're at. And every moment is a new moment. Does Jamie Milne have a question or a call to action or a thing that helps push through those mindset barriers? Oh God, I don't know how to how to even compare to what you just shared. By the way, I, I read Cliffy Young's book, um, the Cliff Young, the Cliffy Young story. What a what an incredible man! It's so cool that you got to spend such quality time with him, Kim. It's really mm. cool. Mm. Uh, what do I do? What do I do? Look, I to to ride the coattails of the special air service, the, the SAS, the, the regiment, they have an unofficial motto uh, and it comes from, I think it's a, a, it's a poem. It's called The Golden Road to, and I'm sorry if I pronounce this wrong, but I think it's Samarkand, Samarkand. Um, the Golden Road to Samarkand and the unofficial motto is always a little further. Mm-hmm. Always. A little further <clears throat> and I so I lean on that I think I can always go a little further it's worth having a look at the poem because um, there's actually a few other lines before that particular line um, so always a little further is one and I have tattooed on my arm um, as a reminder just in case I forget uh, so it says kiore mate kiore tai te whakamotu which means I'm not dead can't quit i like that <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i often think to myself was well, there that other saying um what is it it's like uh oh and i can't remember but anyway that that's very important to me because i think if i'm still alive if i can still read my arm then i'm not dead so there's no need for me to quit keep going oh, i just love it so much if, if someone's listening to this, I mean, Jamie, you talk to schools, you talk to fitness groups, you talk to teams, you talk to corporates, you know, what is your bag? What is it that you do? What's in the, the, the toolkit, the bag of tricks from Jamie Milne? And then perhaps how can people connect with you? Um, yeah, cool. So I suppose my primary intent and purpose for what I do is to support an individual and enhance an individual to get the absolute very best out of themselves, their group, their organisation. You know, through my own experience, I've realised the only only true limitations that we have, especially in 2023, are the ones that we put on ourselves. Like I was a nobody from nowhere. I came from a very small town, poverty-stricken town, crime-ridden town, in New Zealand, left school at 14 and, you know, one might argue I I haven't made the big time uh, for some people, but in my life, like I'm living a very fulfilled, borderline utopic life. I just, I love my life. And there's that saying, one one of humanity's greatest failures is having having success without fulfilment. So think about our, our very wealthy friends and there's, I'm sure you guys have got some. I've got friends that are very wealthy and they're bloody miserable. So they've made success financially but they don't feel fulfilled. So my purpose is to just to, to support people, groups, organisations, to get the very best out of themselves. And, uh, yeah, I love that. Absolutely love it. So JMT Mind Gym or the JMT Facility, or Jamie Milne Training and anywhere on all the usual social media silos, platforms. So, yeah. Mm, Jamie, thank you so much for this incredible hour. 
I'm sure if we were out for dinner, we would um, be still going by now. And this is up for a chat. And I have a feeling that we'd go for hours. I was um, at a dinner on the um, whatever night it was this week with two scientists and the conversation just was so riveting hours just passed by and as I looked at the time and realized what time it was and how much time we've taken from you I was riveted and I feel like it's a blink in time and perhaps maybe that's exactly what happens to you two when you do these extreme things that it's just a blink in time (laughs) Yeah. Maybe. I, I wouldn't say it's that while we're in the middle of it, but at the no, end of it. Say, yeah. <laughs> like watching paint dry at night time. It's terrible. Oh. Jamie, you're such an inspirational soul. You know you're my brother from another mother. I just adore you. I've loved all our trainings we've done together. I love our crazy mindset and what we set to achieve. And I especially love working with you. So I know Cindy and I just admire you wholeheartedly. We'll make sure this gets out before the 4th of November. If anyone wants to support your freaking eight-hour chest-to-ground burpee world record craziness, where would they go to donate to that or to support you? Yeah, the e- thank you, Kimmy. Um, the, the, the easiest way is just the Inclusive Kids website online and, yeah, the links and stuff are, are there. And I just want to say I, I really am so appreciative and thankful um, to be able to spend this this hour with you both. And I totally agree with Cindy. I think the three of us could talk underwater with a mouthful of marbles for hours and hours and hours. It's just been the very best Thursday of my life. It's the best. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. We really appreciate it. And I just, I just have one more thing. I actually found you're just that little further, and I'd like to read what it says. Is that okay with you too? Oh, I love that. Yeah. We are the pilgrims, Master. We shall go always a little further. It may be beyond the last blue mountain, bared with snow, across the angry or that glimmering sea, white on a throne or guarded in a cave, their lives a prophet who can understand why men were born, but surely we are brave who take the golden road to Samarkand. There. Oh, oh I've got goosebumps. Me too. Oh, like it's, it's a whole amazing poem because there's the pilgrims, the chief merchant, one of the women, the merchants, an old man. Like I'll make sure that I put this in the show notes, um, the name of it, so people can look it up because it is a beautiful, beautiful poem. Thank you, Jamie. I I just really appreciate it. And are you right, Kim? He is your brother from another mother. Um, even though I'm the sister from another mother, but in a very different way. <laughs> um, and I've really enjoyed this amazing conversation. Thank you. Thank you, ladies. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.